All right, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of The Jay Davis Show. I'm super excited. Uh, our guest today is Maria Khalil Otto. She's the uh, co-founder and CEO of VI Peel. Uh, welcome to the show, Maria. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. Thanks for I'm, coming. I'm glad I made you do some mental exercise with my name. <laughs> I just never want to butcher someone's <laughs> name. It's always... Uh, uh, a personal thing. I have the easiest name you would think, and people never get it right. Seriously, you would blow your mind. I, I'm sure you probably have more people getting your name wrong, but yeah, even people that I know for 20 years still getting my name yeah. wrong. How it, many it people happened. are saying it for 10 years and you're like, we've been friends forever. How do you not know my name? I know. I'm too nice too because I know <laughs> it's not easy. It's not. Our brains. Yeah. See, make up letters and make up the pronunciation before we can get it out. And so it doesn't always come out right. And that's okay. What do you get most of the time? Mayra. Mayra. Really? Instead of, know. yeah, M-A-Y-R-A. Uh, yeah. Yeah. People that it's I funny. worked with forever. <laughs> so when I see like... a name that I'm worried about, I always copy and paste. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to try and smell it. Yeah. I think people are also afraid to just ask. I, I think people love being like, oh, how do you say that correctly? I want to say it correctly. So. Yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah. My uh, One of our guys here, we give him a hard time because he, his wife's name is Laura, uh, but he calls her Laura and we just give him constant. And he's like, has all these family members named Laura. And he's like, I just can't mentally get over it. See? And it's a block for him. So. so there's something there psychologically. Yes. In our brains. That, yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Well, no. tell everyone about you. How'd you get into entrepreneurship? I yeah. love also hearing like, is this something you knew you were going to be since you were a little girl? Or is this like not yeah. something you always knew and, and kind of evolved over time? I always hate when people, I'm sorry, I'm going to be honest, when they say, yeah. oh, I always knew I was going to do this. I started selling, you know, I had a lemonade business that was making like thousands of dollars when I was Dude, four years old. We just became best friends. I hate it as well. Ever, I'm not, I did never had a single side hustle as a kid. Never. Yeah. And, and I hope that that message gets to everyone else too worldwide that. Yeah. You know, I no, I was actually really shy and introverted, and I'm still introverted, a hundred percent. And I have to, yeah, that's surprising. Yeah, I am. Uh, so I, I was, I would say I was always very hardworking in school, smart, sure, but I wasn't the first to raise my hand or you know to volunteer for something. That was not me. Yeah. No. And uh, I definitely did not know this would be the path I was on. I will say, I, my dad, who was a physician, he was very entrepreneurial. Yeah. So I did grow up around that. Yeah. Hearing about his businesses, seeing them, going to his office during the summer, playing computer games. At, he, yeah. had a, he had lots of businesses. Some failed. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Like they weren't all great. Was um, the physician business pretty like the 
kind of always there and then he was doing other stuff or what was it like? Yes. He was always an emergency room doctor. Oh, wow. So that would be three days a week, which as you know, their schedule is insane because sometimes it's overnight. He would just stay really busy, but he always had something else. Yeah. Literally, they could be, it could be a gas station. He had gas station ones. I remember. That's crazy. I remember I love, me and my sisters loved going there because we would get the hot dogs that were, who knows what they were made of. And the ICs and yeah, get whatever candy we wanted. I still remember that gas station. Um, he had at one point an import-export business of returns and used clothing that would export to South America. Yep. I've seen that before. So I would go to his warehouse. At that point, I mean, I was a little girl. I had no idea anything about what business was, but I was around it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that there's something to being integrated in it, even though you don't know, it could be subconsciously, you know, that drive, yeah. that energy. So I was surrounded by that. Did you want to be a doctor? Was that ever the ambition or no? It wasn't. No, it yeah. wasn't. My, you know, my dad was a physician and quite honestly, he told me not to become a physician. Yeah. He's he, like, don't do it. It's stressful. It's it's yeah. a lot of hard work. I kind of regret not becoming one. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful field. Yeah. And to dedicate your life to truly healing others, helping others. I don't I think it's very fulfilling and beautiful yeah. to do that. And you know, I understand that there it's not a perfect industry and there's a lot with like the legal aspects of it and there's yeah. a lot, you know. Things, but it's an things. amazing healing ability that's pretty incredible. And the sad part is a lot of physicians are depressed. They are. Yeah. There's there are and now I guess mental health issues are kind of across the board and successful yeah. people and people in general. But yeah, I, I think it's tough. I mean, it, it's hard to balance everything when you have such a demanding career like medicine. Yeah. Yeah. So and, so you decide to not be a physician. And then yeah. what got you into entrepreneurship? Did, was there like a switch one day where you're like, I want to do this or evolved over time? Yeah, I would say also I'm so lucky. I had a Middle Eastern dad that actually let me study whatever I wanted in college. Um, yeah. I think my lucky stars because I don't, that's pretty unusual. Yeah. I, I have to say, just, honestly, it culturally, yeah. culturally women don't get a lot of choices, period. And I think yeah. that that's one of the reasons why we came here yeah. um, to begin with is for a new life in every yeah. aspect. And so I went to NYU and I studied journalism. <laughs> I loved writing. I thought I wanted to be a reporter. I hate being on camera. So that was a complete fail. Should have been a red flag, but that's okay. <laughs> like hated it so bad. Um, I, I still love writing, which, of course, that's a, um, an incredible yes. skill to have no matter what you do, you know? Yeah. So I uh, studied journalism, and then my dad basically asked for my help in his business that I didn't even know existed, um, asked me to move across the country because the office was not even in our hometown, uh, moved to L.A., sight unseen. 
to help him with this Love again, it. like a side hustle, basically that I didn't yeah. know existed. And also I didn't make a lot of friends at first because clearly I was the, you know, the daughter of the founder coming to spy on everyone. They're like, uh, I'm not going to talk to this girl. Yeah, basically. So it wasn't like the warmest welcome. And I was, I was petrified, to be honest, moving across the country. It was all very scary and intimidating, but I did it. And that's where I really got my entrepreneurship. That's where it started, I would say. Yeah. Is because when your dad is your boss, there's really no job description. Yeah. There's a, you do what I need you to do when I need you to do it and figure out how to do it. Learn. It's incredible. So, yeah. And I, so I started in customer experience, literally answering the phone, answering emails. I think it's an amazing way to uh, understand your company. Yeah. Truly picking up the phone, talking to customers, talking to salespeople. That's yep. how you learn. So I, I had it's... to just, you know, that's that's the way I got thrown to the fire first. And I really did. There was no favoritism or nep nepotism, really. I I still so remember. You're going to start at the bottom. Yeah. I still remember that first day answering a phone call from a salesperson. And they asked me about a product. And I didn't know anything about the product yet. And so I said, um, I'm not sure. Um, hold on. And she was like, well, can you put someone on the phone that knows what they're talking about? I'm like, okay, yes. Wow. So, but you know what? Without discomfort, without just yeah. trying it, failing, I, there's no other way to learn. So uh, I basically did everything in that office. HR, office manager, credit card reconciling. I became... I became the master of uh, QuickBooks. Actually, yeah. you know what? QuickBooks really opened up a lot of doors for me in terms of learning how to run a business. Just studying. I went to a QuickBooks course and learned yeah. how to use it um, really well. It's amazing how many companies really are not, are essentially run out of their cash account. They they really don't have a P&L. They don't know how yeah. much money they're making. They don't know unit economics. It's wild. Yeah, the data has always been really important to me. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, what year, like what year did you start? At so Vico? that was 2010. And oh, okay. I was 23. And the effed up part about this whole story is that I moved to LA to, move, to work with my dad. Yeah. Although he's a physician, so he's practicing. He has five practices around the world. He basically is always traveling practicing yeah. at this point he's in aesthetics sorry he's not an emergency yeah. room doctor anymore yeah that's when he started this company okay. he changed fields so he has these practices around the world he's he's a trainer for other physicians and other practitioners he's really leading the way in aesthetics actually yeah. he becomes um he becomes a trainer he becomes someone that people lean on to learn how to get into aesthetics and so he's doing that while still being our visionary, I would say, our innovator, making the major decisions, of course, but me being the day-to-day -day person in the office. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and That's so incredible. I moved here to work with him. And suddenly, after a year and a half of working with him, 
my dad passes away. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, I, yeah. So when you say, how did you get into this? It, yeah. It, insane. you got thrown into the fire. I literally got, I got pushed off a building <laughs> and had oh, to word. catch myself. So did you take over from then? Like you just were like, okay, well, this is family owned business. I got to fix, figure all this out. You know, and another word to the wise here, prepare because yeah. sometimes things happen that are not in our control. Oh my Truly. gosh. And so what happens with a family business a lot of the time, if the the person running it, let's say it's the patriarch, maybe it, it's the matriarch, passes away and no one else is involved. Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. They usually either sell the business if it's sellable. Yeah. After paying a huge tax bill or whatnot, because there's a lot of financial repercussions that I don't think people are planning for. Yeah. Was it like completely sudden, like no warning? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was 100% sudden. No yeah. warning. So they lose the business a lot of the time. The, the, or they try and take it over, yeah. but they don't know the ins and outs of it. I mean, yeah. it's. They don't even know it, what the bank account logins or. You don't know, even. Anything. You might. You're not a signer. I mean, yeah. there's so much to to get through, to wade through when that happens unexpectedly. Yeah. So I actually consider myself lucky. Yeah, that's amazing. I had a year and a half under my belt where I knew the team. I knew most of the day to day. I was still terrified out of my mind. <laughs> I'm sure. I was 25 at this point. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. What's like the biggest lesson you learned? Maybe in that year and a half, but maybe just from any time with your dad. What's like the biggest thing you saw? Because I love, I think me and your dad are very similar in that I always have a new thing. My wife's always like, oh gosh, another business. Uh, but what's like something you learned from him that you still think about? So one thing that I learned from him that I think about all the time is he loved to say, repetition teaches the jackass. Yeah. That's and a great phrase. It's like practice. I know. And usually, I guess it's in Arabic. It sounds much cuter in Arabic than <laughs> English. Although Arabic is not like a very cute language, but, um, and it, you know, basically practice makes perfect. Yeah. But, but more than that, just if you don't practice, let's just say there's a skill you want to learn. Or there's something that you're having trouble with. The only way you're going to learn is by doing it over and over again. Yeah. And I think that that's so encouraging that it makes me think I can learn anything. I can. Yeah. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be this year. But I do believe that we can learn anything if we really put practice into it, work into it, read about it, you know, do courses. So. I'm, I, I love to learn. I'm a very curious person. And I think that it, when you stop learning, you stop growing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that another challenge, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, because I think this is one of the hardest things for a lot of entrepreneurs is a lot of times people will have a great idea. And then as they get into it, they're like, Hey, I'm really not like an innovator. Um, you are in a situation where you're innovator is now passed away and is no longer around. 
did you hire that out? Like, I, I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs are like, hey, I had this kind of idea. Now, do I develop that internally as a, as a, uh, like skill I need to personally have? Do I need to develop that in the team? Do I need to go outsource that from someone? Like, how have you done that to continue to develop and innovate in your business? Yeah, I think it's, I would say it starts with me okay. and I had to grow into it. Yeah. But it's a joint effort. Yeah. It's really a team effort. And it's also, I use our customers a lot. Yeah. A lot of our innovation comes from conversations with our customers. Yeah. Where they say something that inspires me. Yeah. Where, where they so it tell kind of clues me you into a problem. A yeah. gap they have or something they would love to solve. And they don't even know they're giving me the idea. Yeah. But I think, oh, yep. huh. You're listening. I, let's study that. Let me take that back to the team. And now, you know, 10 years into this, I have a product development team, which is a dream come true. I didn't have, yeah. I didn't always have that. So I know in the early days, you don't always have that. We also, we work with contract manufacturers and labs and formulators. Yep. So that's all outside. And sometimes you can really find people that work on a nominal fee. Some manufacturers don't even charge you anything for product yeah. formulation. Now they will own the formula. So it's depending on if that matters to you. It obviously is very industry specific um, if it's important to that industry to own, own the formula or just co-promote sort of. So there's other ways to be nimble in product development, I would say. Yeah. And use contractors or consultants. The C word. I don't know. Yeah. Some people like hate the C word. <laughs> yeah. Some people, I, I feel like that, that ebbs and flows. Do we like consultants this year or do we not? Yes. You know? It's a, it's a very cyclical thing in the business world. Sometimes it's like, oh, you got to have an agency. And then I feel like we're now in a phase where a lot of brands are trying to build in-house agencies. And it's like, yeah, it'll cycle back because it's hard. I, I personally love I mean, I own an agency, so that's how I kind of got into brands. But I just think there's a special relationship between an agency and a business where the agency, if they're a great agency, can really be like, hey, we're peers with you. And so we're going to tell you maybe things you don't want to hear, but you need to hear. Yeah. And that's hard for a lot of times for employees to do that. It's hard for them to come to their boss and be like, uh, you need to listen to me. And it's like, sometimes that can work, but I just think there's a good peer to peer relationship with contractors that can be really powerful. I think it can be incredibly special to have this outside opinion, someone yeah. that's not entrenched and doesn't yeah. have the same blind spots as us. Yeah, totally. And that could be an agency that could be your friends. It could be anyone that you have an idea you need to bounce off. I think that that's really important to brainstorm yeah. with people, to talk to. I do that a lot Yeah, where I, I try and get other people's opinions. Even if it's someone that's not in the same industry, in the same field, just to see what they think. Yeah. You know? And it can, be a, it can be a casual thing. It doesn't have to be a formal kind of a relationship. It could just be yeah. asking people questions. That's super inspiring because I think that is hard. I think a lot of people, uh, you get in and all of a sudden it's like, well, what do we do now? How do you innovate? How do you come up with new ideas? How do you? And I think that that's something I've actually talked to a lot of CEOs and I'm surprised how many CEOs, A, started in customer experience, 
my first job was in retail and it was just talking to customers like, oh, what do you like about these products? What do you not like? And it helped me learn. Um, this is something we still do with, do with our executive team. We, executives in our companies have to call customers and just talk to them. And, hey, you had a bad experience. Why? What's wrong? What did you hate? You know, all that stuff. Um, and I think it's just such a crucial just being able to listen. Like you can innovate so much through listening. I couldn't agree more. You, you can't get out of touch with your customers. Yeah. And it doesn't take some fancy schmancy thing. Just pick up a phone. Yeah. And ask them some questions. It's super simple. It's not yeah. that complicated. I actually use Instagram. I'm such a millennial. Um, <laughs> um, I'll just use social media. I Social media is the devil. <laughs> and it's also amazing. True. Yeah, it's great. It's yeah. a tool that can you can use for good or two, bad. True, exactly, good or bad. So while I am well aware there's a lot of negative that comes with social media, I have used it as a tool to connect with my customers in a way that I never had before. Yeah, and COVID really got me inspired to start doing that. I feel like I have friends across the country that I don't even know that are our customers oh, yeah. that I have relationships with. And a lot of it's on Instagram. I always try and meet them in person if I ever am in their city or, you know, give them my number. I'm, you know, I, I try and share my contact information so they feel that they can always get in touch. But I use Instagram a lot to talk to That's customers. Amazing. I And it's easy and it's cheap and it's free. Yeah. It's, it's mean, so... Uh, so accessible. Like it used to be so much harder to talk to customers. You'd have to find someone who bought it at a store and you just run into because you didn't have the data. Nowadays, it's like so simple, so straightforward. That's a really good point, too. Since we've always been B2B, I remember when I started here, too, we'd always talk about B2B, we're B2B. And I'm like, well, we are B2B. Yeah. Our, we literally shift to professionals we're shipping yeah. to these offices our customers who are paid are professional but they use the product on consumers yeah and, and we have no conversations with those people yeah. how do we know if we're doing a good job how do we know how we can improve if we're not talking to those people and user and the end yeah. user and so social media was yeah. a, was you know very integral to us as a professional business having conversations with consumers that we never had conversations yeah. with because you were we had no, disconnected from them. We had no access. Yeah. We didn't know who they were. We didn't know anything about them. It's crazy. It's so funny because this morning I was at a conference and this buddy leans over and said, uh, every B2B business just hasn't realized yet that they're really a consumer business because they have, it's still a human who's using the product. It may be through a business application, but we were, and then we were kind of talking about like how I think most businesses would do better if they thought that way, if they really thought like, yeah, we're a SaaS company, but it's still a bunch of humans using it. It's not, it's not the, you know, entity using it. I couldn't uh, agree more. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's fine. Okay. You can describe your channel as professional or, you know, your sales channel, but as a business, you have to think whole world. Yeah. You know? And that really shifted the way we strategize and the way we do things here. Yeah. That's amazing. Truly, it, it truly did. And that's where social media, again, 
is a cheap, accessible way to get That's to consumers. Such a great point. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite business book? My favorite business book? Like what's blown your mind? So right or, now or I'm, just reading, general books. I'm reading, I'm reading from great to great right now. Okay. Uh, Amazing. I book. just, I just started EOS. I yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yes. So, Have you read so, Rocket Fuel yet? I did read Rocket Fuel. Did it explain your whole life to you? Holy, <laughs> I mean, it it kind of confused me. Oh, because really? I, I've always thought I had tendencies of more of an integrator. Yeah. But so apparently I'm the visionary. That's amazing. I know. I, I think a lot of times people shift. I think sometimes people, earlier in my career, I was much more of an integrator. I think often you need to be. Yeah. No one wants to let a 21-year-old be the visionary. Uh, so like, I think that just happens a lot of times. Like naturally we kind of like gain the confidence to be a visionary, but that's amazing. Uh, really yeah. amazing that you've kind of seen that shift happen. I have, it was eye opening. And yeah, like you said, I think it, it's because it comes with wisdom experience that you feel confident to even say I'm the visionary. Yeah. And I, I actually, I, I just, I love solving problems. I love being yeah. hands on and getting into the nitty gritty and, and I know that that's not always a good use of my time, but I love it. <laughs> it's it's so tempting to get into yeah. the details. Yeah. And I love, I love systems. Like I love technology. And yeah. so, and my team hates me because every day I have a new platform that we're going to start using. You're like new tool. They're like, no, new to do list stop. manager. Yeah. I'm not afraid of change. And yeah, I grew up on a computer. So yeah. I, it doesn't, yeah, it comes natural. Yeah. What's, uh, what's the advice or what would you tell a young entrepreneur uh, if you could only tell them one thing? Like, what's the most common mistake or the thing that you're like, I wish everyone knew this? Um, I wish everybody knew, this is so obvious, that you cannot do it alone. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot do it alone in any sense of the way, in the word, not only professionally, but also personally. You cannot do it alone. True. Yeah. Um, and so when I became uh, CEO, I actually I joined Vistage. Basically, have you heard of that? Yeah. And so having, I cause I felt so alone. Yeah. As a CEO, how many times was I going to come home of talking about the issues in the office to my husband? who at that time had nothing to do with the business and had no idea what I was talking about. He's <laughs> like, okay. He, he probably wasn't even listening. You know, it, 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 these are conversations you can't really have with family. Yeah. My friends were more worried about what they were going to wear that weekend than how were they going to make payroll? Like, you know what I mean? It was Very just, different concerns. Very different concern. So yeah. I just felt so alone. And literally, yeah. my dad had just passed away. So I felt yeah. really, really alone. Yeah. And uh, I don't like to admit when I need help. You know? I Very think. common amongst all us entrepreneurs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we want to do everything ourselves. Help? Like, yeah. Gonna, help? That's such a hard word. Yeah. Um, so I... It was hell. I mean, it, it was hell in the yeah. beginning trying to do it all on, on my own and not show anyone what was going on below the surface. 
Yeah. You know, that, that was really hard. I think it's a, it's almost like a funny phenomenon. I, I noticed this with newly married couples, they get married and then they like only hang out with each other for the first two years. And then all of a sudden they're like, wait, we should have friends still. Like we shouldn't only be around each other. And I think entrepreneurs do the same. We start a business and we just, we're so focused and we're so hyper, you know, hyper attention towards this company. And then all of a sudden I like just the other day had a friend who it was kind of like, oh, you're back. Like you've been so focused on this and now you're realizing that you can't do it alone. You, you've yeah. been in your own little bubble and vacuum and you're completely oblivious to what's going on around you. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm having all these challenges as a CEO and I have no one to talk to them about because yeah. my spouse doesn't understand or my partner or family. If I tell family, they freak out because they're like, whoa, whoa, you're dealing with, you're, you're not going to make payroll this Friday. You're like, that's not a big deal. It's every, every payroll is stressful. Um, I remember hearing that yes. Michael Dell at Dell, that was his biggest stress was every two weeks hitting payroll as a, you know, 30, $40 billion company. He was stressed about payroll every single time. And so I think that that's, what's hard is you, yeah, you, you need that CEO support group where you can have some of those just conversations. Yeah. And, and whether it's a support group or a mentor, yeah, someone, it doesn't have, I know obviously cash flow is a concern, so it doesn't have to be joining a business group that costs money. Maybe there, there's a mentor, someone that yeah. you can find Advisors, to be your sounding yeah. board, someone. I just don't, you cannot do it alone. You don't have all the answers. And physically and mentally, you can't do it alone either. Yeah. I mean, unless you want to end up in a straitjacket, it's it's not sustainable. Not a, good, not a recommended outcome. It's, no, it's not sustainable. Yeah. And yeah, I used to be at the office till 10 o'clock at night. I didn't have kids and I wasn't married. And I had, you know, I had no work-life balance, whatever that is. Yeah. And, and I mean, also for me, the business was such an outlet for, I was going through so much emotionally that I wanted to yeah. just dive in to stay busy. Yeah. To kind of cope with it. Yeah. Uh, I think this is also a great thing for, for people to kind of see that shift. Has it changed now? Uh, you have two kids. Uh, you're married. Yes. And I cannot do it alone. And let me yeah. tell you. Yeah. You, you know, it, it, you, I still, yeah, no, I can't do it alone. I, my team is everything to me. And it's, and also raising a family, you can't do it alone. I, my husband is, we take, you know, we share responsibilities. Someone the other day, you know, being a woman CEO is, is still really challenging. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to say we can have it all, but I don't think we can, to be honest. I, there, I think without sacrifice. Yeah. There's always sacrifice and that could we have be, to choose something. And I'm not saying you have to sacrifice having a career and having kids. There is a way. It's not easy. It's painful. And there's a lot yeah. of guilt. Yeah. There's a lot of emotion. It's doable. But you might have to sacrifice, you know, your social life. You 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 might have to. You can't you can't do it all. You really yeah. can't. Yeah. And that's okay. And I think that when you get to that place where you say, I'm not perfect. I, you know, I can't be there for this person. My friend, even I can't be there whenever she needs. 
because I have yeah. all the, that's, and that's okay. So sacrifice is an important part of, of my life. It really is. I think it's a good reminder. Yeah. It's easy to get we, stuck in that perfection we trap. We can't. I'm always saying, I'm always saying like, I'm trying to grow my hair off. I'm trying to keep my skin clear. I'm trying to exercise four times a week. I'm trying to meditate. I'm trying to read one book a week. I'm trying. You're like, no, that's I, I, 50 hours a week of stuff or 50 hours a day. Yeah. Not, not possible. Not possible. Yeah. Not possible. Trying to get nine hours of sleep a week, a day. It's it, yeah. the list. Never ends. It, yeah. So. And I think some of that is like, it is that forcing of choice that you have to choose. You're like, these are the things that are most important to me right now. And I think we can go through phases and times in our life that are like, hey, uh, I've noticed that. And I think it's one of the things I try and be clear with younger entrepreneurs. Like, dude, I used to, very similar. I would like go home and I would have some time with my family. I would then work for three or four hours, wake up, you know, go to bed at two, wake up early in the morning. And, and like, there is a time for that. And the good news is that's not forever because then you start to build an amazing team and that's, and you can get out of some of that stuff. And now I don't, I don't, have to work crazy hours and you can kind of get yeah. back to more normal things, but there is still choices. You can't do everything. Yeah. I mean, so for example, I wake up at 5am. I wake up at 5am so that I can exercise before my kids wake up and I yeah. can still get myself ready, get them breakfast, get them ready and get them to school. It's sacrifice, but it's worth it to me. Yeah. And I go to bed early. Yeah. So this is uh, one of my last questions because uh, we're, we're way past that. But I do want to oh, know this. As a woman f entrepreneur, do you wish men would, like how could men be a support or just people in general? Do you like when people are pointing out like you're a female entrepreneur, that's amazing. Or are you like, no, no, I just want to be an entrepreneur. I don't, I don't want a qualifier before my name. I feel like... There can right. be different responses. Because I look at women entrepreneur and I'm like, they're an entrepreneur just like me. There's, yeah. I see them as my equal, my peer. But I also want to ask women, like, do you like that, that I approach it that way? Or do you wish I would kind of take account? So you just said that you see us as our as your peers, but not every man does. <laughs> True. Yeah. And I think that that's where the problem is. Okay. So you There's like when it's like, just, I want to be seen as, as your fellow entrepreneur. Only because I still think, and it could be men or women, to be honest. Yeah. They don't always take us seriously. I don't. Totally. For instance, everyone always assumes, my husband works here now, everyone always assumes that it's his business. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Or that he's the doctor. Yeah blame people like i know a lot of this is subconscious yeah i get it i do yeah but i just think that, you know, there's still a little bit of room to grow totally. there's still there's still things that we need to improve totally it takes time i get it i i don't get antagonistic about it so no I, you know i used to be the girl that you so if they girl boss girl boss but i stopped doing that i i do think there's no need to say our gender yeah I don't think we need to, to you, to qualify it with that. Yeah. Um, you, but yeah, I think it's a good point. I, one of my pet peeves is I hate when entrepreneurs 
and I think it's a natural thing, but we talk about how, oh, I wish I was a entrepreneur who does consumer because tech is so hard. And there's a, there's an implied like, well, consumer is easy or, you know, professional businesses are easy or harder. And I think we always, it's like, hey, as, as a group, why don't we stop trying to compare to each other? And just like, my thing is like, being an entrepreneur is insanely difficult. And anyone who does it is my people. Like, that's my people. If you're an entrepreneur, you've gone through the challenges and the hell of building a business. And I don't need to like, kind of compare like, oh, this one's harder, or this one's easier. Or, you know, I wish that I could just you know, order some product from a manufacturer and sell it. And it's like, no, it's all hard. We don't, we don't need to belittle each other because we're on the same team. We're not competing against each other. I never thought of it that way. I have to say, I've never thought about what's easier. Yeah. I think that everything has its own set of issues. Pros and, and cons. Yeah. And I don't know what I don't know. So I don't really yeah. know how hard it is or easy it is to run your business, you know? Yeah. And I always find myself mentally saying, I get to do this. And it could be, I get to run this business. <laughs> yeah. But it could be, you know, waking up in the morning to work out, thinking, I get to do this. This yeah. is, be grateful that you get the opportunity to do this. So running my own business, I can't, I can't think of anything better. Yeah. I, I really amazing. care. I love, I love it. Well, I love it. It's been super fun. Uh, I, I'm leaving inspired. What what can people do? Uh, how can they check out the business or support? Yeah. Uh, what's your call to action? Yeah. So you can follow us on everything, you know, on TikTok too. That's yeah. the thing. I know it's yeah. like a very complicated, weird place, but we're at VIPL on okay. all the social medias. And then if you're interested in trying a treatment, which I highly recommend, we actually have a locator on our website. You can okay. put your zip code in and you can find a local office that carries our products. Amazing. You can Love find it. it in real life too. Yeah. Well, yeah. your skin looks phenomenal. So I'm like, <laughs> I should probably go check this out. <laughs> it you looks know, great. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it obviously works. <laughs> it does. <laughs> That's incredible. So any 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 uh one who wants to go, it's all all across the US? It's all across the US. Okay. We have seven thousand locations that carry our product. And for someone doesn't want who who doesn't know it's full skin treatments, if you struggle with acne. Yeah, full it's full treatments for anything from hyperpigmentation, like okay. melasma, sun damage, which you know is very yeah. common. Yeah. Um, acne, fine lines, just overall texture, tone. And we have a full skincare line as well that we have an Amazon storefront and you can also get it on our website. And it's the same kind of uh, disorders that we're treating. We're treating, we're treating a lot of skin of color and people that suffer from hyperpigmentation. Okay. Yeah. It's amazing. Okay. We'll check it out. Well, thank you so much for coming and and being such a great guest. It's super fun to talk. Amazing. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you.